bold and raw perspectives of local politics, important information which impacts our community, nation, and world, exposing truth, transparency, and getting to the heart of relevant issues that you just won't see in the clickbait media, and always keeping it real. It's the Michelle Tanner Podcast. But I won't back down. Welcome to the Michelle Tanner Podcast. Super excited for today. This is going to be a really interesting episode, I think. I'm excited to introduce you guys here in just a second to my longtime friend of all of, I think, the last three days, maybe, (laughs) is when we first met. Um, His name is Aiden Avery. First, I want to make sure y'all know and that if y'all have gotten out to vote, today is August 28th. Official voting deadline is September 5th. This is what I believe to be probably the most important municipal election we have ever had for the city of St. George. We also have a congressional race going on right now um, for our next representative who will take Chris Stewart's spot. Please, please, please get out to vote. Most people have had their mail-in ballots sent already. There's ballot drop boxes at the library to drop those off at. Also, vote in person on September 5th at the Dixie Center. There's also early voting. Look online, vote.utah.gov. There's still a lot of people out there. Polls are showing that a lot of people have not voted yet. So please, 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 the three council members that I am endorsing, or candidates, I should say, they've all been on the podcast, so check out their podcast, Eros Mackey, Brad Bennett, and Paula Smith. So that brings me in, actually, to how I met Mr. Aiden Avery, who is my guest today. So on Friday, he actually helped host a candidate event for Paula Smith, Brad Bennett, and Eros Mackey at his home, his mother's home. And that's how I got to know him. And we had a really awesome conversation. And I loved the perspective that he brought from a coming from a background of being a prior, what I'm calling him a recovering Obama (laughs) activist. (laughs) He told me about, and we'll delve into that, uh, how he went from really being a hardcore Democrat to now a Trump supporter. He also comes from the queer community. And we had some really interesting discussions about just the whole LGBT movement, liberals versus conservatives. And he made an interesting comment earlier. He said, you know, I'm, I'm a little more moderate. I don't know if we agree on everything. And I said, great. That is so important these days, guys, that we are sitting down. We are having conversations. We don't have to agree on everything to be friends, to have conversations. In fact, that's how we achieve growth and unity in this country is being able to come together and have the discussion. So without further ado, Aiden Avery, maybe just give us a, a brief background about yourself. And I really want to learn more about your journey of being a Obama activist to where you are now, which I believe is more conservative. Well, thank you, Michelle. It's nice to be here. You know, I don't really think that I've changed my views as much as I feel like the left has gone so far left that they left me behind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I I can tell you that I've been, I voted every single election I should say federal election ever since I was 18, except for one, a very important one. That was Trump's first election. 
I was too high to vote then. That's mm. the truth. Yeah. Or I would have voted for Hillary. And I'm grateful that I was too high to vote now, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's um, small miracles in your life. Um, so I... I was very active and I was always a Democrat. I always did what, um, you know, a good Democrat would do. And I voted along party lines and I did that and I volunteered for them. And when Obama came along, I really believed in this guy, you know, like every president we had before then kind of seemed to just do the same thing. Like nothing really changed, but Obama seemed to be a breath of fresh air. I thought America's changing. You know what I'm saying? We're embracing something that we never thought we'd see in my lifetime. And, um, so I went door to door knocking for him. I did phone banks for him. I did registering votes for him, um, picked up. Um, teenagers, you know, like 18, 19, 20 year olds and get them to the polls. You know, we, we did everything, you know, Democrats do a lot of like things that Republicans have yet to pick up. They are really good at recruitment. <laughs> we organized and yes, we are, you know, uh, I should say we were, or I was, you know, but, um, yeah, so I, I really believed in Barack Obama. I really did, you know, and then the first four years, it was nothing stellar. In fact, all the promises he made to my community, my queer community and the promises he made to the other communities actually. I didn't see any of it come to fruition. So I was disappointed. It seemed to be going along the same lines as everything else. And then the second term of Barack Obama, nothing else changed. It was the same crap, you yeah. know? And I was tired of seeing nothing change. It didn't matter if it was a Republican or a Democrat in the White House, nothing changed. So Hillary Clinton comes along. I'm thinking, okay, here comes another change, right? I was all excited about this. Well, I relapsed and I went back out and started using again. I was too high to vote on election day. And, um, or I would have voted for Hillary Clinton, mm -hmm. but then here comes Trump and, um, I'm watching things in Washington happen. I'm watching a president actually put America first and putting its people first. I'm watching him live up to campaign promises and I've never seen a president actually do this. And it was really upsetting people and it caused me to pay attention a little bit more to what was happening. And I realized that a lot of the things that he thought and a lot of things that I feel were very much the same. Right. You know what I'm saying? We didn't match 100%, but nobody ever does. There's nothing outside of yourself you're ever going to match 100% with. Exactly. You know, so you got to take, and I call it the greater of the two goods. You know, uh, he was the greater of the two goods. So I voted for him the next time around, but it didn't matter. He, you know, the election I, it was stolen. I truly believe that. So you believe 2020 was a fraudulent election? Absolutely. I have no doubt in my mind. I mean, anybody who was watching television that day, watching them following that, you can't tell me there's anomalies that were weird. It was very, very weird. Right. You know, and it just too many, too much doesn't add up. And the guy in his basement got 81 million votes, right? more votes than any more other. More than Barack Obama for, even. Like, right. come on. Right. You know? Yeah, no, Joe's not getting that. No, no. And uh, so something was foul with that election. Absolutely. Donald Trump should have still been our president. Yeah. But, um, and so that's where, that's where I came from, you know, and. It's not so much that I've changed my viewpoints. I haven't at all. Like I told you, like the left became so radically left, so far left that I no longer identify with them on many issues at all. In fact, I would say they're the Socialist Party. They're not the Democratic Party. Right. They're definitely socialists. And I, we have a lot of socialized things in America. So, you know, we, we have socialized police department. We have a socialized fire department. We have socialized libraries, school systems, mail. All these things are socialized, you know, Social Security. Right. But um, what we do not have is a socialized government. Right. And that's important because there's a big difference. And I love that you pointed that out, that it's not the fact really that your views have changed, right. but they have gone so far radical to the left that yeah. logical thinkers like yourself are left there in the dust thinking, this isn't what I signed up for. Right. Well, you know, and I can give you an example, like one policy that is so bizarre to me that I cannot stand behind um, the abortion thing. Mm -hmm. um, I've always been pro-choice. I believe that women should have a choice. I still believe that. But I do not believe that after a certain point, you can just say we're aborting a fetus, you're aborting a baby. 
you know, and I'm hearing talk from the Democratic Party about afterbirth abortions. That is murder. Absolutely. There's no other way to look at it. If the baby's born even, and they still would try and think that's an abortion, that is so beyond what I can even comprehend as being okay. Right. And me being very pro-life, and this might be obviously an area that we disagree on, but that's okay because we can have the discussion. I don't procreate, so I stay out of it. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you you could potentially, but yeah, yes, I see what you're saying. But that baby, I mean, even at the time of conception has separate DNA. And for me, coming from the medical side of things, that's where I can really distinguish this is a separate human being. This isn't your own DNA you're going after right. and aborting and destroying. This is actual separate DNA really from the beginning, from conception. And so that's the way I look at it. Cause I'll have people ask me, well, you're so pro freedom and pro liberty and you want everyone to be able to just choose for themselves. Absolutely. And so then I'll get the, how could you not be pro choice? Well, what about the freedom and liberty and fundamental right to life of that human being inside? Right. So that's where I really get passionate about. Right. Um, and I mean, to you your know, point, we used up to, to say to on the left, birth. yeah, on the left, we used to say that um, you know they're pro-choice. I mean, they're pro-life until it comes to capital punishment, right? You know, so that it's a it's a weird thing when you try and like dissect it and get it all down. Like. Where do we draw the line? When is it okay to decide when someone lives or dies and when is it not? Yeah. And my issue with capital punishment, which I'm not a big believer in that, is I don't trust the government to make that decision of when someone is guilty enough to die. Are there people out there that deserve to die? Absolutely. Do I trust that the government's going to make that decision appropriately? No. No. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I think we do agree on that. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So also... I love that you are coming from the perspective of being a gay man from the queer community. What would you say in terms of, I mean, we talked a little bit about how the left has gone so far radical. I also feel, and they don't only do this to the gay community, they do this to women. In fact, I just did a video about this the other day. They do this to any minority group where they actually take advantage and they make all of these promises, right, to get Mm -hmm. these votes. And it goes back to this Marxist ideology of you have to have the oppressed versus the oppressor right. all the time to cause this this division and ultimately to give themselves more power. Do you have any thoughts on that in terms of you know your perspective coming from the gay community? Well, I, I definitely think that um, the Democratic Party has made a mill of minorities. I mean, the fact that we're even called minorities is, is interesting to me. I've been, I've been thinking a lot lately about this woke culture that's going on right now, which I don't, I don't deal with. I won't even do it. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to call you they or them unless you've got two heads on your shoulder. <laughs> Thank Sorry. you. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Thank you. know what I'm you. saying? Like, grow up, get with it. It's okay. Right. You know, you're going to be okay. I don't have to agree with you. If you can call yourself whatever you want, you can identify with whatever you want to, but you don't get to expect me to believe you or say it. Right. I have my own rights to do what I want to do. Absolutely. Just like you want to do what you want to do, so do I. And I want to believe the way I want to believe. And you don't have two heads, you know? Yes. So, um, but let's see. I'm losing my train of thought here because I'm going off on tangents. No, that's um, okay. There's a lot to delve into. I with know. That. What was your question again? So, I mean, you kind of answered it, but just, you know, even, so let's take, and this is a conversation we had the other night at your house about the uh, drag shows, right? We've right. talked about the the LGBT movement. Do you feel like that movement 
has gone too far as far as when it comes to exposing children to sexualized content. And we talked about well, there's a difference between like a absolutely. clown show, right? And I think that's For a fair question. Versus I, sexualized content. I think that's a fair question because I don't think that a lot of what happens in the queer community is understood in the straight community. You know, um, like uh, we're getting a lot of bad publicity right now. The queer community is. We're getting eaten up alive by people like Fox News and whatnot, and they're they're misconstruing a lot of situations. And that that's how I feel. That's that's the truth of my situation. Um, however, with that being said, I think that a lot of bad players, whether it be straight or gay, are going to do things that are inappropriate. Right. Um, drag shows that are sexually charged, that are uh, scantily clad, or inappropriate for children, should not be shown to children. I don't believe that at all. I mean, I do believe that. I do believe that fully. Um, children don't need to be exposed to these things. You know, I, we don't expose them to that in movies. And I think the legislation could be written very easily that doesn't separate and segregate out the LGBTQ. It doesn't exactly. like spe specifically go after them. You know. Yes. Um, and I was thinking about this because a, a gentleman asked me about that the other day. One of your friends, I think. Um, I, we we put ratings on movies. We restrict movies. I think that any live performance that has a sexual nature to it is restrictive. I think that we can do that because there's precedent. Right. It doesn't have to be about any drag show or anything else. It's just about a live performance with sexual nature. We have to define what that means. You know what I'm saying? Is yes. it the type of dress? Is it, um, is it the words that are used? Is it your know, language? Is it um, mimicking sexual acts? You know? Right. Because those things happen in drag shows. Not all of them, but some. Right. You know? So drag queen story hour, I don't think that needs to be legislated out. I think that children actually find drag queens to be very funny like clowns. But if they're going there in a bikini, you know what I'm saying? That's different. Right. And it depends on know, the books they're reading right. as well. And I don't, well, that's a whole other issue also. But parents, beware. Know what you're doing with your kids, you know? Right. Um, I think that some of this, a lot of this falls down to the parents, you know? Parents are the first stop and last stop when it comes to children. Absolutely. Not teachers, not librarians, yep. you know? So um, I think a lot of that comes down to parents. If parents want to take their kids and let them read a woke book from a drag queen, let them. You know, that's what freedom's about. Yeah, I think you made a key point when it comes to parental rights because a lot of the issue, you know, we saw here, for instance, when a drag show rated TVMA was the episode that took place outside a children's museum is I had a lot of upset parents whose children just happened to either be in the neighborhood or maybe they lived across the street and, you know, they stumble upon this, this drag show that the parents didn't know. The parents right. weren't there. It wasn't in an enclosed venue for, you know, say a rated R movie where we can't legislate crappy parents away. Unfortunately, we can <laughs> legislate child abuse, right? And right. so there's this difference between a parent, you're taking your child to a rated R movie, which depending on the age of the child, a lot of times that would be inappropriate, right? right? But that rated R movie is also in an enclosed environment where, you know, the parent is choosing to take their child there right. versus out in an open public square, which would have a rated R or TVMA rating right. where any child walking by or the fact of it being an interactive performance, right. I think also draws a line versus a motion picture when you have actually someone, and again, 
this doesn't have to be from the LGBT community. This could right. be little darlings, exotic dancing, saying exactly. we are going to hold a pole dancing festival and it's okay. We're going to leave our bikinis on. So we're right. not going to be totally butt naked. <laughs> right. And then right. we're going to have little kids come and put dollar bills in our G strings. That's an interactive performance that right there crosses the line for me into child abuse. And so that's right. where, where well, I, I kind of draw the line. I totally there. agree with that. You know, and speaking of that drag show, you know, we, we spoke about this too. It was the city of St. George who was the, you know, made a mistake there. Um, when they applied, I do believe HBO applied for a closed venue for an, an indoor venue. And that's what they were initially approved to. And it was moved afterwards. So, I mean, the fault on that was they didn't do their due diligence. The city should have done their due diligence. Yeah. They should have known what the show is about. If, uh, they, they could very easily go look at past seasons and see. Right. You know, moving it outside was a very bad mistake. Yeah, I, I fault a lot of people in in that. And for sure, I do not give the city at all a pass. And I've been been pretty vocal about that aspect. I think another aspect to that, though, is you look at HBO, this multi-billion dollar industry who is coming into town saying that they're here to you know liberate the uh, the oppressed members of the LGBT community living oppressed in this conservative small town community. And so we're going to hold this big, beautiful drag show to, you know, let everyone know that we're here when it comes down to it. They were here to provoke oh, the yeah. community. They weren't here to unite. They weren't here for a love letter like right. they claimed in their story, because if that were the case, they would know that coming in and purposefully holding something at such a controversial venue, which again, I agree as far as there were, you know, ordinances weren't followed. The right. city should have absolutely done a better job at making sure it was done in the appropriate time, place and manner, right? right. Without violating any constitutional rights, because right. I am very but firm believer on HBO free speech loved as it. You well. guys moved it outside. They loved but, it because the controversy is what sells. Well, yeah. absolutely. They love that controversy. And yeah. I don't know if you've seen the episode, but but I kind I of, I ended no. up being, they actually had a segment in their episode dedicated oh, to me really saying you might like it, Michelle, which it was easy for me to become the villain of oh, their episode. It was wow. kind of the Michelle Tanner and Mormon church ended up being the, the villain of now this episode. Oh, you, yeah. Cause you're not a villain. Now, so, now you, you know well, what I mean? And but I want to see you painted like Ursula. <laughs> oh, they totally did. They found all of the, you really? know, the worst, you know, shots they could get of me oh, looking really, wow. really mean and angry, which Jerks. it's it, the yeah. ridiculous thing is, my issue was never with them holding a drag show. This is America. If it was a, you, a Republican or a more conservative media outlet that did that to you, they would have been ripped apart. Right. You know, for, for doing that to an empowered woman. Yeah. You know, but um, it, they're, they're woke media. I mean, come on. It's CNN, basically. You know, it's Warner. Right. Yeah. Well, in <laughs> you know? all media now, yeah. unfortunately, it's exactly. Just, yeah. I mean, that Fox was, got bought up too by BlackRock. So, I mean, yeah. You really can't trust any mainstream yeah. media right now. It's Not unfortunate. Yeah. So something else that you said when we spoke the other day that I thought was actually really important, and I think that you are really inspiring and bring a unique perspective is, you know, as we were talking, I said, I need to have you on my podcast. You have such an awesome perspective. Mm. And you said, well, you haven't even vetted me. I know. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what do you mean I haven't vetted you? And, and you brought up that you'd had some issues with drug addiction in the past. Mm. And, and my response to that was... So a I'm lot surprised. of people have, know. you know, that yeah. does that, that mean you can't come on? Absolutely not. I feel so firmly, and I want to make this clear to everyone listening as well. 
we are all born with infinite worth. And that worth doesn't change based off of life experiences we've been through, choices we've made. No matter what, that worth, that value is always there. And in fact, I find so much value and inspiration listening to people like you who have battled the demons, who have been there. And, you know, for me personally, and I know this touches almost everyone, it's not unique to me and my family, but my brother right now is battling drug addiction. In fact, we don't even know where he is and, and I hope he's okay. But what would be your advice to either people battling addiction or even the family members who are, are watching it happen to their loved one? What advice would you give? Well, you know, that this is a big question and, um, and there's a lot of answers and I don't know if there's the wrong answer or right answer, you know, but I've been on both sides of the equation. I've been both um, the user and then the one who loved someone using and had to watch it and watch the self-destruction, watch them slowly kill themselves. And I had to lovingly detach. It was difficult, you know, um, but I did not abandon them, you know. Um, so the first thing I would say to people is that um, as an addict, you know, we're, we're in a downward spiral when we're using and it's so much so out of our control. But it is in our control, and it's one of those oxymorons that you live within. You know, what I'm saying one of those, um, one of those dialectic thinking things. You know, like you, you think you can't stop, but you can. You know, um, you think that you can go on, but you can. You know, uh, I would say that for families, if you have a loved one who's suffering with addiction, you know, let them know that you know they're using. Let them know that you know they are using. Absolutely. So just acknowledging just the acknowledge, reality of it. Just acknowledge, exactly. Not don't, ignoring don't let it be it, a shameful thing that's in the, the dark. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to um, uh, co-sign what they're doing. Right. But you just let them know you know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then let them know you love them regardless. I love that. And then let them know that you want to see them get better. You want to see them get some help because they have a lot of potential. Like you said, they have infinite possibilities within them, infinite love, infinite worth. Right. You know, um, remind them of that. Because it's so easy to forget when you're using, you know, quickly. Mm -hmm. It's easy to forget quickly. But in a matter of a week, you forget that you're a human, you know. Um, it's, a, it's important to know that they're not going to quit when you want them to. They're going to quit when they want to, you know. What do you think got you to the point of being able to quit? This last time I was arrested. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it takes an intervention, you know. Mm -hmm. um, now, I'm agnostic still, Right. I, like I said, we're not agree on everything, but I, I I'm not smart enough to know exactly what's going on, but I, I don't think it's nothing. You know, right. I just don't know what I think. Right. Do you believe in a higher power? Maybe because I can't deny that a lot of things have happened in my life in a, in a manner that's just way too coincidental to be coincidence. You know, right. um, when I got arrested, I entered into the drug court program, um, which here in St. George, by the way, was amazing. Oh, you know? good. Um, the people in drug court are amazing. I mean, they're there to save lives and they're there for the right reasons. And, um, you know, and this is from someone who didn't like cops who I, you know, I sweat bullets when I drive past them, you know, and, um, but like Sergeant Bowen, all of them out there in drug court, you know, shout out, they're amazing people. I mean, they save lives every single day. They do if God's work. Absolutely. Right. Um, so when I was in uh, drug court, I ended up going to a doctor and I, got, I had not gone to a doctor in like two or three years. Right. And I said, you know, I want to be checked for STDs and cancer. My dad died early from cancer. Most of my friends are dead from AIDS. I haven't exactly been safe out there, you know, so I want to get checked. And they checked me and they found out I had clear cell renal cell carcinoma. 
four centimeters in size, wow. ready, to, ready to metastasize in my system. This was during COVID. So and, this uh, was not too long ago. No. And had I not gotten arrested, I never would have went to a doctor and I might have been dead wow. today. Yeah. So, I mean, these things are like, you know, you can't deny that sometimes someone steps in and helps you out. Right. right? But I don't know what that someone is. Yeah. yeah. How was it for your family? Did you feel like, was there anything specifically that your family did that was helpful or not helpful while you were going through you know, the addiction when process? I first started going through uh, addiction with my family, because my addiction started living away from home. I was with my partner of 18 years and um, we were addicts together. And um, Have you guys since split? Yes, okay. we have. Yeah. Um, it turns out you don't like each other so much. <laughs> when you're when you're sober, you don't like each other anymore. <laughs> you know, things change. But um, anyway, so when I first started that journey, and I was and I fell back into it, I relapsed uh, here in St. George the first time. Um, my family did what every good twelve step program told them to do, which was to detach completely, detach away from me. Mm. And um, we've since learned that's what's really not healthy to do. You know, because an addict in their own company, it says in you know in every twelve step program that is in their own worst company. For the worst company, period. You don't want to just leave them alone. Right. But then they would tell families to do this, you know. And so um, that was a hard four years, you know. And I went through homelessness. I went through all kinds of stuff because I could not stop using. But then when I decided to quit, you know, I was homeless. I was completely schizophrenic from the, the drugs I was taking. You know, I was completely out of my mind. Um, but something just happened to me. I just clicked and changed. I didn't have to get arrested, you know. I started going to see a doctor. I started getting medication that was not street drugs, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I brought myself out of homelessness. And then I brought myself into um, entitled, you know, <laughs> entitlement programs. But I got myself the necessary help that I need to stabilize my life. And I rely on it today, you know. And I used to be a pretty um, responsible and um, going to work kind of person, but things change, you know. Right. So um, that's, that's what I did, you know, and it can happen. Um, I don't know. Yeah. So do you still utilize some of those resources as far as how do you stay clean now? How do you keep yourself from relapsing? 24 hours at a time. Yeah. 24 hours at a time. Because I don't, I think if I look too far in the future, it becomes overwhelming, you know, when it comes to that. Right. And then you don't have to think about so much. It's not an everyday thing you have to think about if you're not using, you know what right. I'm saying? You don't have to, you don't trigger it all the time. I don't, to me, things are triggering to people nowadays. I don't get it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's ridiculous. If you, if you decide you're not going to use, you're not going to use. If you don't pick up and use drugs, you're not going to pick up and use drugs. If you're not going to drink, you're not going to drink. I think so much of that, too, comes down to personal responsibility. Right, right. now in America, we have this culture of entitlement, Right. And everybody owes me something, right? Nobody Versus, owes crap. Right, exactly. <laughs> right? You're not owed a damn like, thing. <laughs> when it comes down to it, we are responsible for our success. Right. We are responsible for, for getting clean, right? We are the ones who bear that responsibility. And, and I see that you have yeah. definitely that, that sense of personal responsibility. Yeah. No one turned me into an addict but me. I made the choice to use that drug the first time. And I made the choice to keep using it every time I used it, even when it felt like it was out of my control. Right. If I had not picked up and used, it would not have gotten that way. So it's all my responsibility. It doesn't, no one got me into drugs. No one kept me there. You know, and anybody who blames someone else for what they're doing is like you said, they're just not taking accountability. They're not being responsible for their own lives. And until they want to be that, nothing will change. Yeah. I love that perspective. So kind of coming back full circle to, to what started this conversation, what are some things that you feel like we can be doing better? I mean, we have a pretty predominantly conservative community here, but there's also some division, right? There's also some stereotypes. 
How do you feel? And we talked a little bit before about, you know, bringing in the younger generation and the importance of what the Democrat Party seems to do really well with that organizing. What are some ideas you have of better getting the messaging out of conservative principles that it's not this pigeonholed value system that it's really all encompassing. It's about freedom. It's about liberty, which encompasses all people. You know, we used to say the Democratic Party was the umbrella, right? We used to like cover everyone, like anyone could belong. It's not like that anymore. I mean, you have to think right along the exact same guidelines that they dictate to you or you don't belong. Right. Um, I I now see that the more conservative community, and this includes like libertarians, uh, Republicans, you know, um, they're more of an umbrella now. Right. And it's because the left moves so far left that you guys adopted all the us in the middle. You know what I mean? Right. Like we're the adopted kids, you know? So it's, it's, I think the more, the more this movement to the side of conservative thinking, or, you know, I'd say fiscally conservative thinking, mm-hmm. um, the more that that comes alive and the more diversity is shown in it. And it's starting to happen now. I mean, you can see it everywhere you go. I'm not the only gay guy who is conservative or who voted for Trump. Right. You know, um, I may be the only gay guy in St. George who did because I haven't met another one yet. <laughs> but, I don't but think I don't you think are. I'm the only one in the world. <laughs> right. So um, I think that, is, you know, we just need to show the diversity within the conservative parties, you know, um, show that we're not just along one line. It's like, you know, the agnostic and the God-fearing. Is God-fearing? What do you, what do you call yeah. yourself? Yeah. yeah, Christian. Christian. There you go. So, um, you know, there's all different kinds of people here, you know. Right. Um, we don't all agree. You know, we don't agree 100% on everything, but what we do agree on is more important than the things we don't agree on. 100%. We need to be able to have a conversation without being judged. Yes. Without having to pick the appropriate words all the time. Right. You know, I'm going to have real conversations with real people like we used to before this whole woke movement started, mm-hmm. before we couldn't talk to anymore. Right. And the problem in America is that we don't talk to each other anymore. Right. You know, everyone is afraid to tell the truth. You know, we have people telling us what we should think and what we should say, and that's mind control, and that's not America. Absolutely. You know? So we got to get back to the conversation when it comes to recruiting, you know, children, they don't like fiscal or, you know, they don't like numbers and things like that. Anything in the school, they like social things. You got to talk to them about social things that are conservative in value. That's how you bring them along. You know right. what I'm saying? You talk about the things that you can connect with, you know, um, get younger conservatives to talk to younger conservatives, just like the Democrats do. I you think know. that's what the leftist agenda has really honed in on, actually. Yeah. And we see it a lot in even our elementary schools, right, of right. the diversity, equity and inclusion. How do you feel about DEI and, and some of those social things being pushed? I don't think it's appropriate at all. Like, I don't I don't believe that any type of um, conversation about your gender is appropriate in school. At, first of all, a teacher is not equipped to help a child make a decision like that. And a child at nine years old does not know what they want for breakfast. They certainly don't know what gender they want to be. When they're being taught confusing things at nine, you just don't know. Amen. You know, and it's not appropriate. Right. It's not appropriate. Right. Um, you have to, it's not appropriate. But the, you know, the Democrat, the woke people, they've infiltrated the teachers. You know what I'm saying? And they, they've got control of all the unions. Right. You know, and so um, these people think they're doing what's right. Because they've been told that, you know, they've been brainwashed. Like I was brainwashed for the majority of my adult life to think that the Democrats were who had my back. You know, I was drinking the Kool-Aid and boiling in the water, you know, and um, until you get deprogrammed, until you realize, you know, something's wrong, other people have to step in and help them so they don't completely destroy us. What do you think was the biggest contributor to that deprogramming, as you say it? Trump. Yeah. President Trump was. 
I, honestly, it was him going to Washington and actually doing something, actually doing something he said, seeing him actually put American citizens first. When did we become the police of the world? Right. When did we spend more of our tax dollars on other nations than our own? These things are stupid. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I feel bad for other people who live in other places who have a bad, but we have a lot of people here in the United States who could use that money, who could use that help and reinvest in ourselves. 100%. And that's what I feel. You know, Americans need to take care of Americans. We have an open border right now that's killing us. We can't afford it. It's not that we're not caring people. It's not that I'm not a caring person, but we cannot afford to take care of them and take care of us. It's breaking the bank. The mayor of Washington, I mean, the mayor of New York is figuring that out. You know what I'm saying? Right. He still doesn't want to say the exact words that, you know, Biden do something about your border, you know, but it's breaking the bank. And it's not that we're uncaring or unfeeling. It's just that we can't afford it. Yeah. You know, and we can't afford for people to come in here illegally. If you're going to break the law to enter our country, you're going to break the law on many things. Right. So if you're coming here illegally, you don't need to stay here. That's how I feel. Yeah. You know, and, and that's coming from a moderate he used to be a Democrat. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, it's not unfeeling to state that we have borders for a reason. Yeah. You know, I feel like we agree on most things, actually, <laughs> as we're talking. You know, well, there's a few differences. I but. would like to see Americans take care of Americans. And President Trump did that. And that was the changing point for me. That's, I really saw someone actually do something for us. Right. And who did. And, you know, the first four years of his presidency, I think, changed a lot of people. Uh, he started a movement. Yeah. Whether people like it or not, he's the most impactful president we've had in my lifetime. Yeah. And there are a lot of gays for Trump, by the way. Yeah. Um, I've been to several he's rallies. He's not racist. But he's not homophobic. People are so oh, stupid when exactly. they say that to me. I'm like, show me one thing yes. where he's racist and homophobic. Show me one thing. And they can't. They can't right. even show it on YouTube, you know? Exactly. There's nothing. Exactly. It's just all crap. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Being in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, actually, <gasps> I, I tried to describe to people the millions of people that were there and these arrested? weren't these, <laughs> no, I probably shouldn't even say out loud, yeah, right. That I'm, I was there on January 6th. Cause so. they're still trying to get but all of you. <laughs> I know. Nope. I was not scaling the walls of the Capitol. I was all actually right. there. I was supposed to speak at a health freedom rally outside the Capitol, believe all it or right. not. And obviously the Trump rally was there the same day, but there were large groups there. There were gays for Trump groups there. There were yeah. blacks for Trump's Latinos for Trump. Like Every group you can think of, women for Trump, right. were there, and and I'm with you. It's just mind blowing to think the amount of support he had, and then you know to see that overnight straight vertical right. spike for Biden is just it doesn't add up. Absolutely, it, it, and you know, and the thing is that you know you don't know that you've been loved until you've been loved, and President Trump loved us. He loved his people. Yeah, you know, and. That's the thing. That's what got you. When that went away, a lot of people were not okay with it. So what do you see happening for 2024? I see President Trump being reelected. You know, he was elected the first time. Yeah. Then the second time. But I see him actually winning and falling through this time. That's what I see. Yeah. I see a lot more votes for him in 2024 than what he got in 2020. Right. Yeah. I think because th we're sick of it. This two tiered justice system is really interesting, but it's it's funny because the harder they're pushing against Trump with all of these fake indictments and you know, you compare what Biden, Biden and Hunter has done. He was and a Hillary, congressman and he had like right? these documents. Come on. Right. And then right? you look at Trump, but 
the funny thing is the harder they're pushing this, the more the popular higher, it gets. The I know. Pull but can we getting. get knuckles on that? Because that's so cool. Yes. That means that America is waking up. You know what I'm saying? It's funny that, you know, they call themselves woke. They're like eyes wide shut. Right. You know what I'm saying? But the more they push and prod him, the more people wake up. So keep pushing and prodding him. Yeah. You know, because we're Americans. We're not stupid. Right. We've just for so long been asleep at the wheel. You know, or those of us who have been under the influence of that alcohol in that little cup, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, so we're waking up, you know what I'm saying? And we're seeing that this is not America. Like somebody stole our American dream. Yep. And I don't know who it was, but it doesn't matter anymore. I want it back. Right. You know, and there's a lot of Americans who feel the same way. And I think that's the silver lining of COVID is that woke a lot of people up. And now you can see these rumors starting because guess what? We're getting into election season. Let's ramp up COVID 2.0 and and the fear mongering again. But you know what? I think it's going to backfire on them. I I think too many people in this country are awake. You still have probably a third who are going to be sheep and, oh, you told me to get a shot. Okay, I'll go get a shot. You told me to wear a mask. Okay, I'll wear a mask. You maybe have a third. But I think those other two-thirds, we're done. Yeah. What are your thoughts yeah. on uh, that? Absolutely. You know, my, my my uncle got both of the shots. And two weeks after his last shot, he, he got COVID and he died. Wow. Um, I know two people I was in drug court with who died from COVID. And they were young men, healthy, healthy men, who got the shots. So you can't tell me that um, those shots worked. You know, I watched that they did not work at all. Um, but I, I would say one thing, I don't know if we're running out of time here or not, but I would definitely say one thing the Democrats do that you guys who are conservative have not done yet, and you need to do, you need to get with the program right now. You may not like it, but this is the way the world works. You need to vote early. You need to mail-in vote. You need to vote early. Vote now. Vote before Election Day. Because it's harder to get in there and vote on Election Day, but that's also when the most fraud is going to happen. But it, the mm-hmm. early counting is what it is. It's yeah. hard to catch up after the fact, and we do that as Democrats so well. We harvest, we harvest ballots. We do all that so well. Right. You guys need to get on board until you change the laws so that you know, that can't happen because I know you guys don't like that. I personally like it. I love to vote early. You know what I'm saying? Well, I thought it was interesting. The RNC came out with a resolution just recently encouraging counties to get away from the machines and yeah. to start implementing hand counts again. I thought that was really interesting. That showed me... Wow, the grassroots, because right. a lot of grassroots conservatives who are very concerned about what happened in the 2020 election. Absolutely. That's something we've been pushing for. Right. So Paper I did think that that was interesting. Right. But, you know, obviously here in Utah, we still have all the the mail in ballots, right. which, you know, to me, that just opens the door for more potential fraud. But that's their system right now. So right. I, I am with you as far as you got to work. The system you've got to yep, work the system that's available until we can make that change happen. Right. If you don't work it, the other side will. Right. You know? Yeah. So where do you get your news at? I'm curious with all the, I used you know, to watch Fox news. Uh huh. I, I have to admit, and people are going to hate me for this, but I love Tucker Carlson. I watch I Tucker love Carlson. Tucker too. His laugh drives me crazy. It's so annoying, but he, he does great, great research. You know, yeah. Um, and he he really knows what he's talking about, and he hasn't been too wrong. He's been wrong about a few things, but he hasn't been too wrong on most things he talks about. Right. Um, I I'm starting to get into uh, Newsmax a little bit, not so much. But my my news is I, I listen to conservative news pretty much. Yeah. Uh, I just don't trust any of the other networks. I used to like Fox. I still like a lot of people there, but I don't like what's happening at Fox. Yeah. And you can see it happening. They're starting to turn into another MSNBC. It's just sad. Yeah, they are. They're all the same these days, all all the mainstream anyway. And I think the worst thing Fox could have done was get rid of Tucker. I mean, he was their top. That's part of their settlement. That was part of the settlement with Dominion, you know, and, and 
BlackRock bought most, they own like 20% of Fox News now. And so you can't tell me it's not pressure from BlackRock to settle with Dominion and get rid of Tucker, you know, because it suits BlackRock. Right. And so um, if anybody knows what I'm talking about, uh, you know, you got a conglomerate that is just, just, you know, clandestinely wanting to destroy America. They want to change everything about what we do here. They don't like our country. Yeah. I don't care what they say. They don't like our country. And so they're going to invest like Elon Musk took over Twitter. They took over Fox. Right. Yeah. Well, down to final thoughts. I first want to just thank you for being willing to come on. As soon as we started talking the other night at that event, I thought people need to hear your perspective because it is inspiring. It is genuine. It is honest. So I thank you for that. I want to leave the last 30 seconds to you if you want to share just any final thoughts. Final thoughts like a Jerry Springer. I know, right? <laughs> he is the daddy. Yeah, right. I am the father. What? What are you talking about? No, you know, I, I think that the, my final thought is really this: I, Americans have more in common than we don't. You know, the labels need to stop. We need to just start talking again. The conversation was important. What we had here today, everyone needs to do that. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll have to do it again. Yeah. Appreciate nice it. Nice to meet you. Thanks for being a part of the Michelle Tanner podcast. Please like, follow, subscribe, and share. And always remember to keep exposing truth. But I won't back down. No, I won't back down. This has been a production from a podcast studio.